Welcome to Tech London, a show featuring interviews with London's top creative entrepreneurs, startups, investors, design agencies, internet marketers, and freelancers that make up the Tech London online community, which mostly lives on the Slack instant messaging platform. We rotate through both hosts and guests for these interviews, so you have the chance to hear from multiple perspectives on London's tech scene. Hello, folks, and welcome to this week's or one of this week's editions of the Tech London podcast. We're going to dive straight in because we've got so much to cover today. And today is my good friend, Tash. So, Tash, what are you known for and what would you like to be known for? Um, I'm known as being a Spice Girl, um, but I'd like to be known for... No, seriously, I'm known as a diversity and inclusion um, director for the European Co-working Assembly and the London Co-working Assembly. Uh, so I'm a diversity and inclusion consultant and facilitator looking at everything EDI, really. What's EDI? Uh, equity, diversity and inclusion. It gets really challenging to say DE&I or even IDEA for a lot of times. So EDI tends to like roll off the tongue a lot easier. And so what we're going to talk about today, folks, is... is um when you're beginning a business or a project or a startup or however you self-identify, um, how, how you incorporate in this into what you're doing. And I think, you know, as we've been, me, particularly me and Tash have been talking a lot about this in the, in the co-working industry in London for the past couple of years and George Floyd's murder um, last year in 2020, like blew this up into the uh, public consciousness. How, how do you explain that? There was, it was sort of like a, it went from like being a nice to have to like, oh my God, how do we deal with this? Is that, is that an accurate way of posting it? Yeah, I think it was the catalyst. I mean, to make it sort of, uh, I hate to use this term, but a viral issue. Do you know what I mean? So it's a conversation that's been happening. Um, the broader sense of diversity and inclusion has been happening for a very, very long time, but it's very much that conversation that's been met with either closed doors or a... <laughs> oh, that's effort, we don't really have the time, the money or the energy to do that. And that event was the thing that, I mean, I'm, and I also think with the help of social media, I mean, if we were in an age without social media, it wouldn't have escalated, it wouldn't have become the global conversation that it, we see today. Um, but that was really the catalyst that made a real difference this time around. It's not like we haven't had incidents like that in the past. But the fact that everybody has a phone, everybody has a social media account of some kind, and that it was so prevalent on social was the reason that, yeah, it's now become no longer a, an afterthought. It's now the first thought in the conversation when you speak to big organizations as they're all being forced to really reflect on themselves and look at the message that they've been sending out for all these years so far. So, so how do you, because um, we kind of struggle with that in in the projects we work in is um, and you know you know a lot of people who work in our projects is you know we're we're very aware and conscious of this and then still like even for this podcast i made a big list of people to interview and it was like 50 people i just wrote out without thinking and some 49 of them were white men and yeah how did i manage to do that um so so how how do you how do you manage not to do that tash (laughs) (laughs) so i think that the, the challenge that we're seeing right now is that obviously 
that has been the status quo for so long. And whilst there's certain things that you can do in the immediate that will have an immediate effect, this is actually a long, long process that's going to take time to change. So the idea is that if we are really focusing and concentrating and having that awareness today, then by the time we get to sort of that next generation, we won't be having these same challenges, right? And that list in 15 years time won't be 49 white men on that list. It will be a natural progression that it will be a diverse mix. But I think the biggest thing is that, as you said, you know, when a lot of the people potentially listening to this will be in the beginning stages of starting their organization, your startup, whatever it is you're building, your team, now's the time to think about it from day one. It feels like this big effort but actually, it's a thing that's going to develop your organization way more successfully. Um, and in a much more realistic, in terms of our society, a realistic way. So I think it's something that needs to be part of day one thinking um, in order that you're not then faced with that challenge 10 months, 10 years down the line. So, so with, like with, the, with the more established companies that... Um people probably would have heard of versus like the new companies. There's, there's always this thing of like, oh, I'm starting something. And the first thing I, you know, and you know, we do this too, is like, you know, we need to make some sales and get some money in the door. And that just seems to be like the only thing people can organize themselves around because, you know, if you don't make any money, you don't make any business. But, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you, would you advise or suggest people kind of, make sure this this topic gets on the table because it is an it's like an hr brand value topic that's really important well i think it comes down to you're looking for the money and the sales in the same places that you always have done right so we make the assumption that the the money and the sales and the expertise and the knowledge only sits within one pool one demographic of people and actually that's not the case at all. There is so many other pockets, very diverse pockets of people and places and organizations and investors that also can be the source of that money and the source of those sales, right? You know, we all know that we get lazy, right? As humans, we get lazy. We all know when we open up our phone and we want to do a search for something online, we instantly open Google, there are tons of different browsers out there that we can use, but we've all got lazy and we've all decided Google's the quickest and easiest one. It's the most well-known, right? When we look at buying a phone, depending on which camp you sit in, like for me, I'm default, I'm going to go to Apple. It's my standard, you know, So, but I, I also know that there are other opportunities, other alternatives out there, right? And it's actually about doing your homework and looking into, okay, this is one source of that income, those sales. However, there are hundreds of thousands of other sources that I can actually reach out to. And maybe we don't get lazy and complacent and just constantly keep tapping the same source. And actually, we look further afield and try and find that somewhere else, which means you don't have to compromise, right? You're not then saying, oh, well, the only way we can make money is if we go to this core source, which just so happens to be all white men. Actually, if we go somewhere else, it's twofold then. We're actually bringing in that diversity. We're actually looking further afield. We're opening up and we're also fulfilling our bottom line. So, so Tash, where's, where's the 
what's some good places to look for this kind of reliable information? Because when I Google diversity and inclusion, I'm, I'm like swamped with stuff. And there's there's this mix of like opinion pieces, which are really important. And there's like, and, and what we're looking for is like, how on earth do I do this? And, you know, we're lucky because we have people like you and Kofi and Shazia and the, the co-working idea project along. So we're kind of like, we're plugged into a, a go-to group of things that work for where we are. But, you know, if I'm a startup wandering around London, how on earth do I sort of get on the right path? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's many organizations out there where this is literally their their sole purpose. Obviously, a web browser is a great place to start. I'm not going to plug the, the main one we were just talking about. But I think it comes down to actually looking at organizations, right? So there's lots of different, very, you know, if we're talking about when I speak about in terms of LGBTQ rights and awareness, well, where's my first point of contact? How about I look at, you know, some of the LGBTQ organizations like a Stonewall, a UK Black Pride, all these different places, they're going to be sources of information that you can go to, go to the people who are having those experiences. And there are tons of places out there. When I talk about in terms of business, there's a really good organization, MSD UK, which is specifically connecting, um, you know, businesses to diverse entrepreneurs and business owners. So you're looking for somebody to um, vendors, you're looking for diverse vendors. MSD UK have an entire catalogue of diverse vendors. You don't have to constantly just go to the same people. There are organ- When we talk about speakers, there's diverse speakers, uh, .co.uk, I believe is the ending, which is an entire bureau of diverse speakers for events. So it's, you know, I'd say an amazing place is to even just put in diversity and inclusion consultancies. And actually what you'll find within a consultant organization is their consultants will often be freelance or associates. And they will also do a ton of other things. I'm part of a consultancy, but I also do a ton of other things outside that. But those people are plugged in. They know they're delivering diversity and inclusion, you know, training on a day to day. So they are up to date and you can reach out to these people to advise to come on board and give you some advice based on based on their your area of expertise and their area of expertise uh, another great place to um sign up to folks if, if you put, we'll put a link in the show notes is color in tech which is um it's a london-based organization and, and they work with google and facebook and microsoft and they run an exceptionally good uh email newsletter that's packed it's got a lot of humor in it and it's packed with um you know really up to the minute kind of stuff about what's actually happening in tech um and they get a lot of support from bigger companies which kind of validates validates their existence and we're going to have ashley on here at some point too um the the, you said about events there that that was something that's probably quite easy for people to understand is um like in the a lot of what we do is in around the co-working industry and there's been a big move. There was already a big move about it anyway in the, in the European co-working uh, and U S scene about how speaker, you know, that, that like there was one event in London, um, which I worked on and we pointed out to the organizer that 70% of the people speaking at their all day event were white, white men, white men, white men <laughs> talking about, basically talk about real estate and how great their businesses are. And, um, and it, and it was, it was, it was kind of flagged up and they're like, Oh, well, you know, we don't, we don't really get a lot of women coming back and responding, but 
I, I, we we then question like how can you how can you you know haven't really put the effort in to look outside your frame of reference because there are so many people and there's a linkedin post where we said i think i think there's like 37 speakers who were not white men available to speak in the co-work industry and still those event organizers don't quite get round to inviting those people to speak at their stage for a whole load of reasons but really you know i i'd say they're not putting the effort in but you know being aware of what's going around is um is i know hard inconvenient but very necessary work and uh, well go on i mean and that's a case in point right if you are going to be lazy about that type of situation where you're going to host an event every member or vast majority of the panel are you know white middle upper class men you're just going to perpetuate the situation right because me coming in as a young you know woman of color into the tech field and then I go to an event and I don't see myself represented, well, then I probably won't bother going to that event again because I don't really want to hear from people who have no clue what it means to be me in this industry. And then so again, your audience members end up being that same homogenous group and the situation just perpetuates and becomes kind of a cycle in of itself. So I think that unless you really do push to put the effort in in the first place. And obviously what you then get is you get one or two or three of those speakers out there, they will also have a network and you tap into a completely different network of people, which makes your job later on down the line much, much easier. But it's just that bit of effort in in the beginning. And I know you're going to ask me about some somewhere that people can go to to help with this. And there is a really good... Um, organization called dice and they have put together the dice charter which is essentially a template and a guide in how to help make your event more diverse and inclusive so you actually produce they produce a certificate at the end of it so you go online you fill in the criteria of you know how you're hosting your event your percentage of um you know male speakers in your event whether you're you've been aware of accessibility needs and all these different things within the questionnaire and then it produces a dice score for you 40 percent is that you are dice certified obviously ideally you want to get much higher but the encouragement now is for anybody speaking at an event or involved in an event to actually question the organizers and say are you dice certified and what is your dice certification and hopefully that will open up and there's some big players that have already come on board um, to start using it as as a way to ensure that their events going forward are diverse and inclusive and that they're just having that forethought but it also provides you with that very clear template it can sometimes feel overwhelming of where to start with this and how to do it and actually just having a very simple form to work your way through and say oh I didn't even think about that but yeah actually that does really help the fact that we haven't considered accessibility needs or the idea of maybe having subtitles on our zoom event or getting somebody in to translate all these tiny little things that actually are relatively simple to implement but have a huge huge impact on your outreach and who's actually being able to attend your event and wanting to come to your event that that is that that dice thing works really really well like for events but it also works really well for 
knowing what to think about because it is uh, you know in our projects when we've gone around and helped people with this having a little list of stuff to go through is a pre-flight checklist if you know kind of focuses you and lets you know what's what's important and it helps you organize your brain it's like a to-do list because trying to take a you know take on the whole world's diversity and accessibility issues and solve them in your company in in one week is is just is impossible and of course we all have blind spots right your privilege also is your blind spot so me being an able-bodied person means that when I'm thinking in context of neurodiversity or physical ability, I have a blind spot because it's never been a challenge for me. It's never been an issue in my day to day. So it makes me very, it makes it an additional thought that I have to actually consciously think, oh, but what would happen if I had some form of neurodiversity, right? And for a lot of people, it's very hard to, to, it's the reason it's a blind spot is because you can't see it, right? So having a checklist like that helps make you aware of those additional things that, and your privilege that you wouldn't necessarily be aware of. Um, because yeah, it's very easy to just, to just, to miss it completely. Can I, can I just move you in that direction as well? Cause it's, it's, it's not just, it's very, I always think people think we're, we're just talking about race here when it, when it gets in there. And, and these are like, you know, often people perceive them, well, they are political topics, but you know, they're like political, like who am I going to vote for topics. And, and actually it's a humanitarian topic and mm-hmm. how, how London, um, you know, like if you think about the East End, there's Canary Wharf and this town, Canary Wharf and like the, uh, you know, Crisp Street Market in the East End are in the same uh, London, London borough of Tower Hamlets. And they're very different places, um, like economically and ethnically and stuff like that. And it, it, I think I, I often feel people think, oh, we're just talking about race here, but it's a whole load of other things because, you know, in the, the equity and the uh, accessibility thing and there's lots of things that don't get considered. People, when, you, when you talk about accessibility, people just think... Uh, Somebody oh, in a wheelchair. So, yeah, wheel, wheelchair access. Yeah. And I, I can't, you know, I've learned, to, I've learned that it's over the with a group of people I work with and researching it and everything like, you know, it's okay to not be able to concentrate in certain environments because, you know, it mm-hmm. affects the way I work and my productivity. And uh, I think what's great in London at the moment is when they're talking about um, mask wearing and COVID on the underground, it's, it says that not everyone's ability, dis- what's that? How do they frame it? Every, not every something, is it disability? Is visible. Uh, not every exemption is visible. Yeah, um, which which is the first time I've seen something like that as as public. It's only been in mm-hmm. you know forums like this that it's been been okay. So you know, how, how do how how would you explain like you need to pay attention to things other than? I think it's I think it's just having an awareness of you know all of us have multiple identities and that's what makes us as individuals diverse and obviously there are a lot of frameworks that have been established with a very core demographic at the head of it right because they were making they were the decision makers if we go back years and years and years um and it's now having that awareness that actually diversity as you said is not just as simple as race 
Um, it extends much, much further than that. Obviously, there are certain elements that have been perpetuated over years that draw racial lines. But when I talk about diversity and inclusion, I'm talking about it on a much broader scale. And actually, you highlight something in terms of the socioeconomic diversity, which I think in not too distant a future, socioeconomics will also be included as a protected characteristic um, in the Equality Act because the awareness of actually the divide that comes out of socioeconomics, you know, i.e. you can't apply for a certain job because you've had to have attended a certain uh, university. And the reason you couldn't attend a certain university is because you couldn't afford to, you couldn't afford those fees. So instead you ended up at X college, right? And now that's had an impact on you on the rest of your life going forward. And I think that all of these different diversities have to be taken into consideration. And like I said before, a lot of the time we realize that when we realize the privilege that we have and there's a really good I'll have to find it so you can put it in the show notes there's a really good um it's like a 50 question questionnaire of your privilege just a really good way for you to to outline in it and it's literally like you know is in is um your first language the language the first language of the place that you live you know did you have to were you um, on free school meals when you were at school? Uh, did like and all these different questions that think a little bit outside of the blocks, outside of you know, are you binary male or female? Do you identify as LGBTQ? Which are our very big diversity topics, but actually really drilling down into the much smaller, often invisible diversities or the less considered diversities but the ones that also have a huge impact on us on our day-to-day um and throughout our life i I did that quiz a few years ago and i very quickly stopped moaning about my existence (laughs) because compared with some of the people i was taking it with i was uh, I i think i scored like 49 out of 50 on the privilege scale and and i thought i was a you know one of the most hard done by people on the face of the planet. And, and it does, you know, it's, it's what's, I, I was talking to my mate, Sam from Cobot, and he was reading the autobiography of a really famous stand-up comedian. I can't remember what it was, but she, she said, it's like someone like Tina Fey. And she goes, and, and they're talking about how a success changed her. And she goes, you know, it's funny because I think it takes two weeks for you to, you know, change because at one point I was like, upset about not being able to afford rent or having to walk to auditions and then when i made it you know i start worrying about the uh, where the where the salmon is on the canopies at the cocktail party and whether i can eat that or not and, right and it, like the the leap is the leap is huge and it, it's kind of you know as we do i don't know as, as we sort of move up the economic ladder we forget where we come from or absolutely I do anyway. no definitely it's so easy to do and it's yeah we're short short-term memory so the, so the last thing i want to just the, you know meant to ask this earlier sorry folks but what is um can you, can you explain a bit about unconscious bias and is, is, is have you got a textbook answer to that because that's something else that we get asked a lot about yeah um so unconscious bias is actually quite a controversial uh title now but it, we all have it so essentially if you have a brain you have bias. We all have bias. And it will, unconscious bias are the biases that we've developed over time unconsciously, right? So it developed as a way initially as a fight or flight mechanism, way to stay alive. This thing is dangerous. This thing isn't. We have to make a billion different decisions very, very quickly on a day-to-day basis just because we're getting so many pieces of information. And what our brain has developed is 
a way to put that into an algorithm and make very snap decisions without having to put too much effort or thought into it. And these build up over time through stereotypes. Um, these can be learnt stereotypes, i.e. from our parents passed down to us. But nowadays, it's a lot of conditioning from our society, right? When we look at social media and the media tells us this type of person is dangerous, this type of person is safe. If somebody's wearing this, they're professional. If somebody's wearing this, they're not professional, right? And we've built that over time. And when it's left unchecked, it will also affect our behavior. That's why we have the behavior of someone walking down the street, sees a black guy with a hood up, walking towards them, your behavior is you cross the other side. Because media over time has taught us that black guy in a hoodie is dangerous, could be carrying a knife. And that is a stereotype that we've developed that has now led to an unconscious bias. So what we often find, though, is that that unconscious bias, when we when we have the thoughtful moment and we stop and we think and we go consciously, well, actually, I know that that's ridiculous. Not every black man in a hood obviously has a knife. That's a ridiculous thought. And we put effort into that thinking. Quite often, our belief system is very much at odds with our unconscious bias. And what we try to do is connect the the two together. And we're trying to fill that gap in terms of making sure that our unconscious bias isn't negatively impacting our behavior on a day-to-day basis hiring decisions, you know, choices of where you go, who you communicate with, how you build out your network. That's what we're trying to navigate. That sounds really easy, Tash. <laughs> it's so easy that I spend every single day doing it. Are we, are we, um, are we allowed to use the word uh, BAME, which, which oh, I've never liked, but no, we're over that. Please don't. Um, th- so this is a word that's been, the only way I can describe it is that BAME is a label that has been given to the community it's describing. It's not a name that the community ourselves has chosen. So me as somebody who sits in the, what would be termed in quotes, BAME demographic, I am a mixed race. I've never felt comfortable describing myself as BAME. I'm not. It's this catch-all, very lazy term where it's putting a lot of different people into one group and actually we're all very different identities. So you're better off actually to call somebody what they are. So I identify as black, mixed race, a person of colour. Any of those three for me comfortably. But in the same way as we have the conversation now of, you know, what are your preferred pronouns? You can ask that. How would you, how do you identify? You know, what's your racial identity? That I would prefer somebody ask me that than just assume and say, oh, I'm going to call you Bane because, yeah, never been a fan. It's too much of a catch all and it's a lazy term. Used originally to help with census forms, right? You can only have so many different boxes to check, apparently. So that was the easiest way to do it, was on government forms and it, for some reason, made it into mainstream conversation and and vocabulary oh, it's, it's, it, it always feels like um i know something in the x-men like inhumans or mutants it's, it's, <laughs> right? it's, it's, i really i really don't like it uh, and, and it's so easy to to use it and say oh, i don't like this phrase but and then you're still using it yeah so it's impossible anyway we need to go because um my helicopter's parked on the roof and I've kind of, and the parking ticket's about to run out. So awesome. where can we find you online, Tash? What's the, what's the best place to hook up with you? You, with you can find me on LinkedIn, Tash Thomas. You can find me on Instagram, tashd.uk. Um, those are probably the two best places that I'm on most of the time. 
beautiful. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Tash, for your, you know, this my, my personal how to speak about the world in a proper way and not offend people <laughs> and so on. All right. Really appreciate your time today. Take care. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Tech London Show. If you're interested in joining the community or even making an appearance on this show, make sure you join our Slack group over at techlondon.io. Till next time.